Amen. Well, I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we are continuing in a series this summer of scrolling through Romans. Scrolling through Romans. And uh, I'm discovering, how many of you took me up on the, the challenge to read, read through Romans this week? Anybody? Got one. Praise the Lord. See there? Um, I, uh, I listened to it once and I read through it once. And I will tell you, it's easier to listen to it than it is, to, at least for me. Uh, some of you are, are speed readers and you can just do that. But uh, I, uh, I'm thankful. I know some of us are kind of anti-technology. But I'm thankful for some of the new technology today, namely one of them. I can get a Bible app on my phone, and I can pull up the Scripture I want and push a button, and, and this guy with a much better voice than I have just starts reading it to me. It's wonderful. Um, and I just, I just love it. I listened to Romans while I was weed-eating yesterday, and, and who thought you could get a blessing out of weed-eating? But I, I did. It was, it was great. It was good. Uh, so... Uh, if you, if you have done that, if you've read through Romans in the past, if you would take up the challenge to read through the book of Romans throughout the summer, uh, I would just highly encourage you to do that. There's something about, and Pastor BJ and I were talking this morning, it's, it's good to take passages of Scripture at times, and we all have verses that are very meaningful to us and, and special to us, and they, they meet certain needs and places in our lives. But there's also something special to, to be known and to be experienced to remember that when Romans, just like any of the rest of Paul's letters, was first delivered, they didn't have chapters and verses. They, they read the whole thing. I mean, it was, they, and they devoured it. They wanted to know. Communication was very rare, very sparse in that day. And they got this thing, as far as we can tell, all at one shot. And they didn't say, okay, that's, chap that's two chapters, that's enough, let's just stop, or that's... That's ten verses. That's, they read the whole thing. There's something about hearing it all together. So I would just challenge you, if, if listening gets it done for you, or if you could block out some time to read through as much of Romans in one sitting as possible, uh, I think you'd, you'd find it very rewarding and, and a great blessing, especially as we go through and, and Pastor BJ uh, continues to unpack uh, this wonderful, wonderful book uh, called Romans that we are enjoying today. Uh, here in the eighth chapter, I want us to pick up a theme that I think uh, is explored quite a bit for, from Paul. You'll see this in various chapters as you read through the book of Romans. Uh, I imagine at some point along the summer you'll hear it again. Uh, it is this theme of hope. Hope. And so I'd like for us to look today at, at just a portion of Scripture, Romans 8, beginning at verse 14. Romans 8, 14. Would you just follow along with me as I read this morning? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba. Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I'm thankful that we can know. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to wonder. 
We don't have to be afraid. We can know that our salvation is bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And our home is in heaven one of these days. Aren't you thankful for that? The Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, and this is where we're going to land for just a few moments this morning. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We need Him this morning, don't we? Father, give us patience. That's a scary prayer, and we know it. But you've told us that if we will hope, and if our hope is in you, then we're to wait patiently. So teach us, strengthen us, and help us by your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What is the Christian's hope? I, uh, I can think of a lot of circumstances in life that have challenged my hope. A lot of situations that I've went through in life that have caused me to consider, is the hope that I have going to get me through this? Is the hope that I confess, the hope that I declare, is it strong enough? Is it secure enough? Will it carry me? I've never stepped over this season of life. I've never gone through this experience before. The mysteries of life and the unknown of life always challenge us. They just do. We haven't, we haven't been there before. We haven't experienced that before. We haven't seen that. And so there's a mystery to it. And there's always a challenge that comes to us with that. Every one of us are facing that. From the youngest to the oldest. We're, 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 every day there's something new. There's a new season of life opening up uh, for many of us. And we're, we're, whether it's uh, leaving home, going off to school. Go, some it's just the fact they're, they're going to get on a bus in the morning and go to camp. Some of them, that's a, that's a big deal. It's a big experience, being away from home for a week, those sort of things, a place they may have never been, what, what, what to expect, what to anticipate, what's going to happen. Some of us, the seasons of life are, are moving us into, into experiences that we haven't yet had before. And they're not necessarily bad experiences. They're things in some ways we, we've anticipated for a long time we really look forward to, but the mystery of it, of what the experience is going to be like, can be a challenge. Can we hope 
in the face of that. And then there have been those circumstances that we'd rather not even talk about that are just devastating, that cause us to wonder why. I don't suppose I'll ever forget uh, a couple of seasons in, in our life, and Sarah and I and our family, uh, but certainly uh, one in particular. We had, uh, we had welcomed Lexi, Leah, Mary Ellen, and Molly into our family, and uh, most of our extended family was sure we were on the path to being like the Duggars because we were just producing children one after the other after the other. And we had let people know that our, uh, our plan and our desire was to say, we're just going to let God take care of this. Yes, we know what causes it. Yes, we know how this works. Uh, but, you know, we've got a happy marriage and we'll just, you know, whatever the Lord has in mind. That's, uh, and you can only imagine how my unbelieving father looked at me and said, I know exactly what the Lord has in store for you. You're going to have so many kids you won't know what to do. Uh, and he didn't miss it much so far. <laughs> but, you know, we were in this, in this season of life when uh, our family was growing and we couldn't see any end in sight and this was just moving right along. And uh, Sarah conceived again. Uh, we have celebrated with our church family. Rejoice with us. New life. New hope. New opportunities. New possibilities. New blessings. And then we were blindsided. There's no baby. There's no life anymore. And hope seemed to die. And God comforted and God gave grace and God gave strength. And we moved along and Sarah conceived again. And new hope, new possibility, new life, new chances, new opportunities, new dreams. And then we were blindsided again. No life. Hope. Not anymore. And God gave strength. And God gave help. And God gave healing. And God provided. God got us through. And Sarah conceived again. New hope. New life. New possibilities. New dreams. New plans. And we were blindsided again. No more life. No more hope. Those dreams, those plans, those wishes. And as good a Christian as I might have been in that moment, in those moments, you know I only had one question on my heart. Why? Why, Lord? Why? What? I, I, once? Maybe I can wrap my head around that. We're all due. You know, I mean... We're not, none of us are promised that life is going to just flow smoothly and that becoming a Christian takes every pain and every trial and every heartache away. You've never, you've never made that promise. You've said you'll always be with us. And that's, in fact, as we learn and we grow, we find that's an even greater promise, even better one in many ways. A second time, oh, okay, boy, didn't see that. Sure didn't think that would go that way. This, it's, this seems a little much. Surely there's a plan. I, you know, we're just going to have to dig deeper. We're going to have to trust you. A third time? Lord, can you hear me? Are you there? 
Do you see us? Do you see what's happening? Well, you know that's not the end of the story. (laughs) Six years, almost seven, passed in that uh, season of life. And uh, I, 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 to this day, I can't, if, if you're one of those people that you have to have something put in here that helps you make all that make sense, I, that's not what I'm here for today. What I am here for is to tell you that there is always hope and there is always new life and there is always a Savior who has a plan and He has a purpose. He's asking us to trust Him. He's asking us to believe Him. And some of us come to that in various seasons of life in various ways. But I have proven Him true. And the great thing about it is I didn't have to prove Him true. It was already true before I ever proved it. I had to come to terms with it. I had to learn it and discover it myself. But it was already there. What what is the Christian's hope? You know, it's, it's easy for us to say there's hope uh, we've, even, we've even sung about it. When, when the world all seems to be as it should be, as our perspective is, Pastor B.J. even hit on this when he, when he prayed, when, Lord, when you do things the way I want you to do it, when things are going the way I think they should go, when, when life is meeting the expectations that I have for my life, then hope is, is easy, joy is easy, happiness is easy. Those things come along Pretty well, but what do I do when the plan doesn't seem to be working at all the way I thought it should go? When the plan isn't unfolding at all the way it seems, and certainly, boy, don't we have this kind of innate belief that things should be fair? That's never promised in Scripture, but boy, that's in us, isn't it? Lord, at least be fair. (laughs) You know what? He's not fair, and you ought to be thankful. Scripture reminds us He does not treat us as our sins deserve if he were fair we'd all be in big trouble if he were doing as fairness would dictate we'd all be in trouble but at just the right time he said hope is going to come into the world and his name is Jesus and I will send him I I, I had somebody ask me a question earlier this week I told them I was uh digging into Romans and I was looking into some commentaries and things and it spawned a question from that person they said you know I don't know how many times over the years I've heard pastors talk about uh, or preachers say I was reading in this commentary or somebody said this or something I always wondered what they said so I don't know if you've ever asked that but I thought I'd take just a few minutes here not too long not as long as I've taken this week or an average time is spent in a week hours and hours but at least a few minutes would you like to hear Don't answer this. This is a rhetorical question. Would you like to hear what they say in the commentaries? When it comes to hope, most people understand hope as wishful thinking, as in I hope something will happen. This is not what the Bible means by hope. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. Confident expectation. Hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. Romans 8, 24, 25, Hebrews 11, 1 and 7. Hope is a fundamental component of the life of the righteous. Proverbs 23, 18. Without hope, life loses its meaning. Lamentations 3, 18. 
Job 7, verse 6. You'll never meet a sadder person than someone who has no hope or doesn't believe there's any hope. The righteous who trust in or put their hope in God will be helped, Psalm 28, 7. And they will not be confounded or put to shame or disappointed, Isaiah 49, 23. The righteous who have this trustful hope in God have a general confidence in God's protection and help, Jeremiah 29, 11. And they are free from fear and anxiety, Psalm 46, 2, and 3. The New Testament idea of hope is the recognition that in Christ is found the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises and hope. Matthew 12, 21, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Christian hope is rooted in the faith of an end-time judgment and act of divine salvation in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5, 5. Hope of Christians is brought into being through the presence of the promised Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 24, and 25. It is the future hope of the resurrection of the dead, Acts 23, 6. Hope is the promises given to Israel, Acts 26, verses 6 and 7. It is the redemption of the body and of the whole creation, Romans 8, 23 through 25. We read it already this morning. Hope is eternal glory, Colossians 1, 27. It is eternal life and the inheritance of the saints. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Hope is the return of Christ. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It is transformation into the likeness of Christ. 1 John 3, 2 through 3. It is the salvation of God. 1 Timothy 4, 10. It is simply Christ Himself. 1 Timothy 1, 1. You missed a great opportunity to say amen. It is just Jesus. Just Jesus. Christ alone. I may have hit on another sermon. If He is not enough, just Him, you're searching in vain. If you aren't finding all that you need, every sufficiency in the person And the saving work of Jesus Christ, you are on a futile exercise to find hope and find peace and find rest in the things of this world. The certainty of this blessed future is guaranteed through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 23 through 25. Hope is Christ in us, Colossians 1, 27. And the resurrection of Christ, Acts chapter 2, verse 26. If you're keeping track, some of these are repeating. I think it's because God wants us to get it in His Word. Hope is produced by endurance through suffering. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And it is the inspiration behind endurance. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 and Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. Those who hope in Christ will see Christ exalted in this life and in death and the life to come. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. And we may boast in this hope. God wants you to share this hope. He wants the world to know about this hope. He wants them to see this hope in you. We will never reach all of Pike County because of this edifice, this building, or our programs, we will reach Pike County because we have 200 churches out across Pike County 
that are declaring the hope of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't see much hope out there. I've never been saved by a building, but I have been saved by a Savior. (laughs) Hope. Hope. Along with faith and love, hope is an enduring virtue of the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And love springs from hope. Colossians 1, 4 through 5. Hope produces joy and peace in believers through the power of the Spirit. Romans 12, 12 and chapter 15, verse 13. And Paul attributes his very calling to the hope of eternal glory. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hope in the return of Christ is the basis for believers to purify themselves and be ready in this life for the life to come. Titus chapter 2, 1 John chapter 3. Well, everybody's going to go out and buy commentaries now, aren't you? That was better than you expected, I hope. The Word of God spelled out, it's declared, it's, it's established. And, and, and it's not by accident that these 35 different times that we've mentioned how hope is referenced and, and the characteristics of hope are declared in Scripture. God wants us to be a people of hope. He wants us to be a people who, who know that our hope is in Christ and be able to go out and minister that to a lost and dying world. Folks, people may say all that they want to say, but they are looking for hope. In fact, you may be here this morning, and quite honestly, that's where you're at. I need someone to give me hope. If you knew the week I had, I don't need to walk out of here with greater burdens, deeper complaints, greater fears, greater worries. I need to walk out of here with hope. I need hope. And let me just address a couple of areas that our world chases after so much where there is no hope to be found. Hope is not in wealth. I'm amazed at how many people down through the centuries, as many times as we watch this play out and people rise and fall, we still don't seem to grasp the fact that money cannot give you hope. It cannot give you security. It cannot give you a future. Temporary things, perhaps, but that's it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. Those who want to be rich, however, fall into temptation. And become ensnared by many foolish and harmful desires. That plunge them into ruin and destruction. How much clearer could the word of God be? Hebrews 13 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
And one other area that seems to be an area of life that we clamor after hope, give us hope, give us what we need, take care of us, provide for us. There is no hope in the political authorities of our world. That's a tough thing for some of us to to get our minds wrapped around. But there is no hope. Now, notice what I'm not saying as well. Scripture is clear and it tells us that we should let every person be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except by God's appointment. And the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say absolutely we ought to submit and subject. The Bible is... The Bible is clear about this. No one on this planet has authority that God has not already ordained and given to them to begin with. He is God over all. From the most ruthless to the most noble and blessed, God is the one who has established all authority. It's clear in His Word. We should be subject, but we do not find our hope in governing authorities. We do not expect that... The government of the United States will save the world. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. The relationship between the church and government is not total separation nor total identification. But it is education and confrontation. We have a right to speak up. And thanks be to God we live in a land where we can voice our thoughts and our opinions. And we ought to exercise that right. We are most blessed of, of, of many people on the planet that we have a right to speak to our leaders without fear of reprisal and say, this is what we believe. This is how we want to be governed. This is how we, we would like for you to, to act on our behalf. That's not a right across the world. That's not a privilege across the world. There are many, many places in the world Where you want to go out on the street corner and declare that, they will find you a nice cozy cell if they're nice to you. Or most likely they'll just quietly dispose of you altogether. Or make a very public example of you. Many places in the world. But where is our hope? Chuck Colson, a man who knew a thing or two about not only the the benefits of politics and and political authority and leadership, but also about the dangers and the vileness of it as well, said, where is the hope? The hope that each of us have is is not in who governs us or what laws are passed or what great things we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. That's where our hope is in this country, and that's where our hope is in life. The power of God to transform a people. The power of God to change the hearts and minds of people. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those in authority. Lift them up. But don't pray in desperation. Oh God, they're so vile. They're so terrible. Pray believing that God can literally change their hearts and minds. He can encourage those who are striving to do right. He can turn the hearts of those who are seeking evil and selfish gain. Pray for them. Do not slander them. That we're, if we drill down into the book of Romans, it's, it's going to mash our toes along the way. Paul gets very practical. He gets very down to where we live in our day-to-day 
life. Well, let me share with you just a couple of characteristics of hope, and then I'm going to land this plane. Characteristics of, of hope. Hope, first of all, inspires endurance. Sometimes we'd like to bypass this one, but hope inspires endurance. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the King James Version, it says, patience of hope. I think endurance is a better word there because it describes the, the substance of patience. It's one of the reasons why we struggle with them when, when we hear, oh, just be patient. Well, that, that's easy to say. I need some substance there. <laughs> What's going to help me to be patient? What's going to help me to be? Here's what helps you to be patient. Hope. Hope. You, you, you wait on things in life when you, and you're able to wait on things when you have hope that the outcome is going to be what you desire. So how would we ever endure hardship and affliction in this life? How could, how could Christians, in some cases, almost live every day of their life in an existence on this earth that we would say, boy, they've endured so much hardship, so much suffering, so much pain. They never do a day without wondering where the next meal was going to come from or fear of reprisal from authorities or enemies or, or any kind of thing. They never do a, knew a day free from that. How can we call that a great Christian experience. How could they endure that for so long? Hope. Hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's where my hope is. My hope isn't in the circumstance. I've told you before, I really do believe this with all my... It's a challenge, but I really do believe this. The example of the Christian life, when we have settled it and decided it, ought to be one where people see an enduring hope in us no matter what the seasons of life bring. Are we afflicted? Are we beaten down? Do we have times when things come against us? Yes, absolutely. Do we, do we sense that? Do we feel that? Do we struggle with that? Yes, absolutely. But we do it with hope. We do it with hope. And believe me, you will not be a greater example and a greater witness of Christ to your family, your friends, your classmates, your co-workers, anybody else in this world, than for them to be able to see you exemplify, witness, testify to, live out hope when you're going through a circumstance that says you shouldn't have any. They will want to know. They will be eager to know. Where are you finding this hope? Where are you gathering this ability to endure? Where are you finding the ability to have joy when there doesn't seem like you should have any joy? How are you able to do that? And you have the widest open door that all of heaven and earth could provide to be able to say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is my hope. He is my source. He is my strength. J.B. Phillips says, the hope that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ means sheer dogged determination that endures to the end. And sometimes we have to do that in life, don't we? I'm just going through. I never will forget as a kid. It so impressed me. Uh, my mom, I thought she was forcing me. And in fact, in a way she kind of was because it was against my will. 
um, there, was a, there was a quartet, a concert that was going on, a gospel concert in Russell Springs, Kentucky at the high school gym. I was about as thrilled for that as I was a root canal. I mean, I just, mm-mm, no way, didn't want it, didn't want anything to do with it. And mom, in all of her compassion, said, get in the car, you're going. You know, that was, that was the beginning and the end of the whole discussion. And I got in the car, and I went, and uh, there was a group there that I had not anticipated. There were some of the good old standard guys, and I knew exactly what they were. And here we go. But Charles Johnson and the Revivers were there. This was an African-American uh, group of young men. And, I mean, they had instruments that I had never seen. Didn't know you were allowed to use those in church and singing Christian music. They had drums. They had a, a, a bass guitar. And I mean, they had some beats that I had never experienced. As, uh, as Dr. Cunningham said years ago, it gave me happy feet. You know, I just was, and I was debating, you know, how far can I go with this? How I... <laughs> but they sang a song, and, I, and it caught my attention, and I have never forgotten it. And it went, I'm not going to sing it. But here were the words, I am going home with my Jesus just the same. And then they repeated it in case you didn't hear it. I am going home with my Jesus just the same. You can false accuse me, scandalize my name, but I am going home with my Jesus just the same. And, so, and now why in the world, why in the world would that get a hold of a 10-year-old boy's heart? Boy, it did. I hadn't had anybody scandalize my name. I didn't, I didn't barely knew what that meant. But what I did sense in them was this dogged determination. Bless God, I am going through. I am going home. Bring it on, life, whatever you want to do, whatever you need. Satan, attack, do whatever you think you need to do. You're a defeated foe. I am going home with my Jesus just the same. I will make it. I will see him. I will be in glory with him. One of these days. We have to be determined in our hearts. It needs to be settled deep within us. You won't withstand the trials of life. You'll break. You'll fall apart if you don't know this. So don't leave today if it's not settled in you. That I am going home with Jesus. Just the same. Life may be pain for me. Life may bring struggles. Life may bring trials. But I am going home with Jesus. He is my hope. He is the reason I live. He is the one that I long for. My hope is built on nothing less. I don't just sing it. I believe it. And I live by it. The hope of these Thessalonian Christians showed up in a couple of ways. With hope, they were willing to accept life's circumstances. Winston Churchill once said that Britain's greatest defense against the Nazis in World War II was not their military might, because they were outmatched. It was hope. It was hope. He said, even on days when I didn't believe it, I still knew that my charge as the leader of this nation was to offer to my people, there is hope. And we prevailed. Christians, when filled with hope, are able to endure whatever life may bring. And they not only endure it, but they flourish in the midst of it. They shine in the midst of it. They bring God glory in the midst of it. 
as He even intends. His glory is revealed. In the New Testament, the disciples didn't seem to be able to write hardly anything without hope in it because they knew Jesus. When you've watched a man suffer and die and then rise again from the dead and ascend into heaven, you've got hope. It's hard to convince anybody that has witnessed that, that life is going to bring anything across their path, that hope is going to be defeated in them. They know what they believe. With hope, you eagerly anticipate Jesus coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. The Thessalonian believers were confident that Jesus would return just as He had promised. As a boy, I remember uh, the, the, the preacher preaching on, on heaven and the return of Jesus so much that every Sunday after church, I would go out and, and I probably looked silly to a lot of people because I'd be standing out in front of the church. We just had a real small little porch and, and a parking lot right out front. But I would turn and look, and if somebody had asked me, what in the world are you doing, I would have told them this. I'm trying to find East. Because he had preached on the return of Jesus so much, I was sure I could go outside and watch it happen. He was coming right then. And I didn't want to get, you know, have my back turned and miss it. I, that, was a tent, that was a young boy for me, but it was so real. And we need to be reminded of that. We motor along in our day every day and the, the hours and minutes and days tick by and keep going and keep going and keep going. It's easy for us not to even give a thought that one of these days it's going to stop. And He will split the eastern sky and He will return for all of His people as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back. He is our hope. He is our hope. If you've ever been stranded, if you've ever been broken down on the side of the road, if you've ever been waiting on a ride, you know what it is to hope. They're coming. They're coming. He's coming again. He is our hope. We eagerly await His appearing. And when He appears, He will redeem. He will redeem even these old bodies. They decay. We, talk, we saw this in Scripture. All of us, I, you know, I really believe, you're, you're going to be shocked at this, but when I was about 16, I really believed I was going to take a different path than all the generations before me when it came to getting old, when it came to... I just really believed I was going to find a detour. I'm not going to be like Dad. I'm not going to be like Mom. I see them I, and their friends, and I, I see the gray hairs, and I, see, and I hear the conversations. I, oh, the back in the day, and oh, my back, and all that, you know, I... I was going to take a different route. And, I, and there's still a part of me that's real determined. I, I'm still wanting to believe I'm going to find a different route. But you all reminded me when I turned 40, there's a good chance I'm not. <laughs> but I have hope. Not in this life. Not in that I'm going to find a detour and miss everything that I don't want to experience or that I wish I didn't have to go through in this life. I have hope. That I have a Savior. I have a Redeemer. I have one who, I have a Father in heaven who has heard my cry. He has seen our plight and He has sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have hope, that we might endure, that we might not only endure, but that we would have joy 
as we go through this life, whatever we may face, our hope is from Christ. It is in Christ. It is to Christ. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What is it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope is not just a noun. It is a verb. It's not just something we talk about like a trophy on a shelf. It's a daily, living, active thing that ought to fuel who we are and how we work our lives out in the world. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Can people see hope in you? Can they see it in you that you know your Redeemer lives? Can they see you rejoicing even in trials, even in suffering, even in difficulties? Can they see that in you? Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we rejoice in what? In the hope of the glory of God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like for one of our musicians to come and just play. Ultimately, folks, our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And I just wonder this morning, where have you been looking for hope? Where have you been searching for it? Maybe you've been experimenting with a lot of things in life. Maybe you've been one of those. If I, if I just had more money, there'd be hope. I just had more wealth, more, more fame. If people understood my, my great qualities and appreciated me more. And what, if I, what if I just had more power? What if I just possessed more stuff? Maybe I'd have hope. Maybe you've found life to be kind of hopeless and you've tried a lot of things to forget it, block it out. Maybe you've turned to other people, that husband, that spouse, and you've hoped in them. And maybe that hope has been somewhat fulfilled, but you've also seen the weaknesses. You may have even experienced the outright failures. Where are you looking for hope? Maybe you've come looking for hope in a pastor. In a mom, in a dad, in someone, in a boss, in someone in authority over you. Maybe you've been looking at them and saying, I need hope, would you give me hope, would you rescue me? And maybe there have been momentary times when that hope has come, but ultimately you found it lacking, temporary Where have you been looking for hope? Paul would say, our hope is in Christ. There is no other source. But here is the good news, brothers and sisters. We need no other source. If you have Jesus, you have all you need. If you know Him and your hope is in Him, He will never fail you. Some of us today, maybe a lot of us, I don't know need to settle it today. Father, I've been trusting too many things. I've been looking in too many other directions 
for hope. I've been looking in too many other ways. I've been, I've been reading the news and seeing the bad stuff and hoping that an administration will save me or new laws would save me or somehow things would turn around. I've been, I've been looking in various... I've been, I've been hoping that I'd get some big cash windfall and that would save me. I've been, I've been looking high and low. If I could just get enough education, if I could just please these people in my life, if I could just have that, that recognition that I need, then that would turn, turn everything. That would change the tide. Things would be so much better. I'd have hope. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. But friends, there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Him. And He invites each and every one of us. He's got enough hope for everybody in the room. A thousand times over. He'll supply it. And He'll be sufficient. We're going to pray. And I'm not near so much concerned as to whether you, you deal with it where you're standing or you deal with it here at an altar of prayer, I think there probably is something about publicly acknowledging a need, but that has much less to do with whether or not you're honest with God this morning and whether or not you're in the balcony or on the floor or out in the foyer or wherever this is being heard, wherever online. I... But be honest with Him. Be honest with Him and hear His word to you this morning. There is hope. Michelle sang it. It's not in trying. It's in trusting. It's not in running. It's in resting. It's not in wondering, but in praying that we find the strength of the Lord. And He wants to pour it out abundantly in each of our lives today. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your great hope. Thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you that you saw us and you loved us, even when we may have felt unlovable by the rest of the world, even when there may not have been another person that would come to our aid. You heard our cry, and you sent hope into the world. And you raised Jesus from the dead, and he lives forever, and he's coming again. And in the meantime, you invite us to receive this great hope, to trust in you, to put our faith and our hope in you. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will never fail us. Others may. Things may. Programs may. Buildings may. Structures of this life may fail us. But you never will. May our hope be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Oh God, seal it in our hearts. Help us this morning. Forgive us, Lord, if we've, if we've been seeking for hope in anything else or anyone else in this life. May our hope be in you and you alone. And may a lost and dying world see this great hope, see the joy, see the peace in our lives because we know you and we're surrendered to you and we're trusting you. You will not fail us. Thank you for this good day. Thank you for these moments together. Bring us back at the appointed time tonight that we might continue to worship you. May this be a day totally surrendered to your plans and your purposes for our lives. We rejoice in you and our hope is in you today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.